So we're continuing in Romans, and our reading today is from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that we are going to look at today. We pray that your spirit would be with us, challenging us, comforting us, helping us to be the body of Christ. Amen. Well, I was a bit panicked on Friday. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm preaching on this passage. And it dawned on me that I should probably talk about AFL. But Anthea's already done it, as she said. There'll be a moment. <laughs> but I know that you'll know if I try that I don't know what I'm talking about. Instead, I want to tell you about the church that I grew up in, which was in lots of ways like this church. It was an Anglican church, but it was a suburban church and it was in a church building and we had pews and um, we sang, we stood to sing and uh, we sat to hear the Bible read and to hear it taught. But when we prayed, we got on our knees. We had pews with cushions. It's hard, it would be hard to do it here. But when we prayed, and we prayed several times in the service, we would get on our knees to pray. And that posture of worship that I grew up with, I think is a really significant one. And we actually sang about it in the songs today, didn't we? That we bow our knees, our knees to the Lord Jesus. And um, Paul, um, in his letter to the Romans, the part that we had last week, was telling um, the church that in view of everything he taught them in those first 11 chapters that we've wrestled through, in view of God's great mercy and love for them, that they should worship him with their whole lives. He said, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And in the church I grew up in, there were adults that I really admired. And they weren't necessarily the ones up the front. The ones I wanted to be like were the ones who seemed to always be on their knees. If you can picture them going out of the church still on their knees. <laughs> All right. Of course, they weren't literally doing that, but it seemed in their lives that in their hearts, they were always on their knees before God in the posture of worship, in whatever they did. I was a kid. They knew my name. Some of those people still pray for me today, and I haven't been in that church for decades. They're maintaining the posture of worship. Their life is an offering to God. And in this little bit that we have today to look at, Paul is still talking about the same thing. He says, when you offer your lives as a living sacrifice, when you stay on your knees, it's going to look like this. First of all, the bit that we have today, it's going to look like being humble servants of one another in the church. And then who's going to go on to say, and then it's going to look like the church going out into the world. 
that's another sermon. Today we're looking at that bit about maintaining that humble posture of worship and serving one another in the church. Now, sometimes when people hear the gospel about Jesus, they have an objection. I hear this quite a lot now. They say, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus is immoral because what kind of father would sacrifice his son for other people? Have you ever heard this? This is quite common now. The thing about that objection is that it's missing a piece because Jesus is not just the sacrifice. In Hebrews, it says he's also the priest. Jesus has agency in his sacrifice. He offers himself, and Paul is using the same language for us. What Paul's asking us to do in Romans chapter 12 is to follow the pattern of Jesus. Offer yourself as a sacrifice to God. Be like Jesus. And why does Jesus, even though you know in the garden he's on his knees, not wanting to suffer and to die, why does he offer himself and submit himself to the Father's will? It's because he trusts him and he knows that God is good and that this will be for the good of others and even for the good of himself. And so I just want to start to frame this passage in this way because I want you to know that when you follow the pattern of Jesus and you submit to God and you serve one another on your knees, you have agency. It's a choice. Submission is a choice. And it's important to say that in the church because I don't ever want you to hear that you're being coerced to do something and I don't ever want you to submit to someone, to God, if you don't trust him. If you're not sure about God, you still need to find out. Or to one another, if you don't trust one another. Trust is important and we submit by choice. So let's look at this because I'm going to be um, now telling you lots of things that you might do and I want you to know that to serve one another is a choice that we make under God because we follow the servant Jesus. So that's the first verse in that passage. He says, By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Now, is Paul being the um, Aussie Paul here, chopping down the tall poppies? Some of you guys think you're all that, and I'm going to tell you that you're not. He's not, he might be saying that, I don't know the Roman church. What he's actually saying is, have a sober judgment, he says. Have a right view of yourself. When you're on your knees, when you're in the posture of worship, what is the view that you have of yourself? Well, the way to get that view is, first of all, um, we did this in confession to acknowledge that we're not perfect and that we've sinned. And so our eyes, as we're on our knees, might be cast down. But really, to have the right view of yourself is to also to look up. That psalm we read right at the start of the service is a fantastic psalm if you want to get a right view of yourself because it turns your eyes to God. And what does, he say, what does it say there? You might want to have a look back at it, actually, just on that first page. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul. With all my inmost being, praise his name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. All the good things that God has done for you and for us are then listed. God made us. He made a beautiful world for us to live in. He gave us one another. He rescued us from the pit, it says. He brought us salvation. He gives us so many good things. So the right view to have of yourself is, first of all, that, yes, you definitely need God. We need his forgiveness. We need his transformation in our life. And also that we are loved 
and we are known and we are precious to God. That's the right, the sober view to have of yourself. And it helps you, doesn't it, when you come into the church and you're ready to serve one another. Because not only do you see yourself like that, but you can see one another. Not perfect, but precious and loved. And God wants us to serve one another. Well, then the next part um, we come to in the next verse says this. He says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, this is the part where I should talk about AFL. There are lots of ways to talk about this. We could talk about teams, but actually Paul has an illustration right here, doesn't he? And it's quite an intense one. He says that we are all part of the one body. So just think a moment about your body. Think about all the parts that make it work. Usually often we take our bodies for granted until something goes wrong. I lost my voice this week. I thought, I've got to preach on Sunday. What am I going to do without my voice? I can't ask my ear to suddenly speak to you. I need my voice. I can't see it, but it's important. We've had a few broken bones here recently, and it's hard. It's hard to walk. You can't ask your arm to walk for you, can you? All the parts of the body have something different that they need to do. And that is the picture that Paul wants to use, that we are one body. And he says something really interesting. He says, we belong to one another. That's why this is a really good illustration, this belonging to one another. It's intensity, this idea of needing one another, is really important. And uh, we could say a few things about that. Sometimes in the church I hear, I have conversations with people who feel like, feel like they don't belong here. I confess I felt that way when I first started here, actually, even though I was on staff. Sometimes it takes a long time to feel like we belong. Who are my people? I'm not making friends. And I want to start by saying that I think Merry Creek is a wonderful church. It's full of loving and authentic followers of Christ who do love one another. But we're limited. And I think the greatest limitation that our church specifically has is time and capacity because we're lots of busy people here stretched in so many areas of our lives. And uh, in our broader culture, when we're stretched, what we do is we adopt a kind of consumer mindset. We pick and choose what we do according to what will replenish us. That's the sort of the first stop, what's going to replenish you in your busy life. And so that means it can be actually slow here to feel like you belong. But the good news about this passage, and the encouraging thing I want to say to you is if you're finding it hard to find your place, is that you do belong. And the answer is not to wait for people to make you feel that you belong. It's to work out how you are going to be part of the body. And I've seen this work for several of you as you've tried to find your place, that actually just working out, I need to be an active part of the body, helps you to belong. Where are you going to serve? Where are you going to be active in the church? And we'll think a bit more um, in a minute about the different ways that you might do that. So that's the first thing I want to say about the belonging. Um, now, some of you might feel really connected already. You understand what it means to be part of Mary Creek and you feel great about it, and that's good. But I want to ask you, in terms of thinking about belonging, to keep checking your posture when you come to church, what do you, what's your thinking about coming to church and being part of God's people? 
when we talk about offering in the Bible, offerings uh, come from, to God come from the first fruits. The sacrifice that's acceptable to God is from your best. And let me just tell you something about church that you might not know. At 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning, there's not very many people here. And you might not know that because you might not be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I think it's a problem. I think it's a problem for us. It's a bit discouraging, actually, if you've been here setting up, practicing music, and in those first songs, there's no one here to sing, just a few people. Can I gently ask you if it's a pattern for you to walk into the building late? If it's your pattern, I know sometimes you are going to be late, but if it is a pattern, can I ask you to check your posture and to know that when you're not here, we miss you. So when you're late, we actually miss you, we can see. If you're coming just when you want to be replenished and receive, then you won't be here every week and we will miss you again. So the posture when we come to church is actually to be serving others and to be giving our offering our best. And it is hard, I know it is hard and that some of you are very busy. But this also spills out into our other programs as well. It's really my great privilege to work with our community group leaders. But there's a theme that's running through. They love to serve their groups, but the thing that gets them down is they don't know if people are gonna turn up week to week. Can you give your best? to the body of Christ? Can you make sure that your diary isn't so full that the thing that's gonna drop off is community group? Can that be the priority? Can you make that the priority? Can you just, I just wanna ask you to think about, I could give you lots of practical tips. I could tell you what I tell myself, get your clothes ready on Saturday night so that you, know, you don't have to think about what to wear on Sunday. Fine alarm clock. <laughs> Sign up for something that needs to happen before church starts. Offer to lead the, sun, the study at community group so that you have to be there. You know all the things that need to do, but really it's about an attitude. So I want to encourage you that you belong here and we belong to one another. That interdependence, it might make you actually feel uneasy. Talk to God about that because that's the reality and it's good when it works well. So then what do we have? We have this last point that everyone in Christ has gifts to share and their own part to play. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now remember Paul is saying this to the Roman church and a lot of what's happened in the letter already has been wrestling with the fact that there are Jews and Gentiles trying to work together and be the church together. They were different. Now we have a lot of differences here in our church Paul's saying, that's okay, that's a good thing. We're one body with different things that happen. Difference is good, but we're one together. The picture of the body accommodates the different capacities we have. Some people have a huge capacity for serving. Other people don't, and there are seasons for that as well. And we want to recognise that. We want to support one another with whatever capacity. We have different interests, different experiences, different skills different resources at our disposal, and we bring all of them as an, our offering to God and to one another. This is a good picture too because it means you don't have to do everything. In fact, work out the thing you love to do and do that well. You might have to do some stuff that you don't love to do. It's always good to do a bit of that too because that helps you have a sober view of yourself. I always like it when Pete vacuums the hall. You know, we don't want to stop Pete from doing that because 
um, we need to be able to serve in all areas of the church. Thank you, Pete. So you've got to work out what you're good at or what you like and what's useful. Sometimes what you like, everybody's doing it already, you know. Imagine if we were all singers. We couldn't all be up here <laughs> or whatever it is. We need to be flexible and interdependent and doing what is good for others before our own interests, but bringing our unique selves to the church. And Paul lists a whole bunch of gifts here. So let's just go through them. It's not an exhaustive list, but let me say a little bit about each one of them and see um, if that's you, you might want to listen to that, or maybe it resonates with you if you're trying to work out what your role here is. And the first one he says is, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. This is a little bit like what he said at the start, have a sober judgment of yourself in accordance with your faith. Line it up with what you know of the gospel and the truths that we have in the Bible. Now, actually, prophecy is not something that we talk about much in our kind of church. Um, people not sure even what it means. But just, it's a very broad term, and it basically means if you're a person who's walking in the Spirit and you know your Bible, you're sitting under God's teaching, and you have promptings of the Spirit about what it might mean to live out your life as a Christian or for someone else in the church, or something that you think the church needs to hear about where God is leading us, then that's prophecy. Now, a couple of years ago in the Christian Union, um, a new president was appointed. They have a new student president every year. And he started off his term in the first meeting by saying, I really think God is saying to me that this group needs to major on love this year. It was a moment of him prophesying. There have been a lot of other things that we've been working on, lots of points of doctrine that have been in argument. But this year, if we want the campus to know that Jesus is Lord and that he, he's gracious, then we need to major on love. And the committee listened to that and heard about it and prayed about it. And that's what they did. That year was about love. That's just an example of how it works. It's not coming necessarily from a passage. That's Bible teaching and that's a little bit further down. It's just people who are walking in the spirit and want to encourage and rebuke one another with what they understand to be God's will for us. And it needs to be tested. That's why it says in accordance with the faith that you have. If you come to me and say, Beck, I'm pretty sure God wants you to have a brand new car because, um, you know, you're a minister in the church, I could tell you straight away ten reasons why I think that's not God's word because the Bible doesn't support it at all. That's not the way Jesus was. It's not the way he led. So do you see what I'm saying about that? That's just briefly. So if your gift is prophesying, please do it. We need this actually in our church. We need it in our community groups, people to be speaking God's word into our lives. If it's serving then serve. This is the Nike exhortation. There's three of them. If it's serving, then serve. Do it. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. Serving is a very broad term and it just means doing the stuff that needs to get done to make things happen. It takes between 20 and 30 people to make Sunday mornings happen. You may or may not realise that. We need lots of people to serve in the church. And if you would like a job, ask me and I'll give you one. <laughs> Love to do that. And it's great to serve in the church. One of my favourite things is to pop into the kitchen before church and see people getting ready for morning tea. It's a great way to make a friend and to serve with other people, for example. If it's teaching, then teach. We are blessed here to have lots of Bible teachers, actually. But we need more. 
And if you love the Bible and you want to help people understand it, then get trained. You could talk to Anthea about doing some Ridley online um, and doing some study. There are people studying the Bible and learning to teach it. We have people teaching the kids. We have people teaching youth. We have people teaching from the front in community groups. We are centred on the Word of God and Bible teaching is important. So just do it. Encouragement is so important in the church. It's what keeps us going. And a wise person once said to me, if you ever have an inclination to encourage someone, do it. Don't question it. We need more of it. We have, you know, we, we like to critique, and I'm guilty of this, wanting to critique something, but actually seeing the good that's going on, encouraging people to keep going, is probably much more valuable. It's not about praise or flattery. We want to have a so, that sober view of ourselves, although sometimes it's nice to hear if you did a good job. Encouragement is so much more about helping people to keep running the race. So sometimes when someone's struggling, it's about saying, come on, you can keep going. God is good. God is faithful. Or can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? Let me pray with you now. That's encouragement. Just do it. <laughs> if it's giving, then give generously, Paul says. We are a generous church. Um, Pete said this last week. Actually, we are generous. And if you're wondering whether you have the gift of giving, ask yourself this question. Do I have more than I need? If the answer is yes, then you have the gift of giving. God has given you enough to give to others. Some people find it very easy to be generous and other people find it more difficult. But if you have more than you need, then you can give. And if you're young... If you don't have money yet and you're still studying and you think, I don't have anything to give, this is the time to learn. Learn when you don't have much and it doesn't feel like you're giving too much away. Because then when you have a lot, you'll have learnt to do it. And the Bible talks about proportions. As a guide, it says, give a tenth of what you have away. Now, for some people, that's actually not much and they could give more. But when you're young and you're starting, try with that. Try giving a tenth of what you have to the church or to the poor. And as you get more and more, you'll be able to give more and more and you'll, you'll be used to it. And it's an adventure. It's great to see how God continues to provide for you as you give more of what he's given you away and to see the way that that is working in the world. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Are you a leader? There are lots of leaders in this church. With our child safety protocol now, we know that anybody who gets up and leads from the front or does anything from the front, anyone who hands something at the door, anybody who serves from the kitchen is seen by a child as a leader. And so we are lots of leaders. Some people have more responsibility in leadership and Paul calls on them to be diligent. Diligent in preparation. If you're leading a community group, you need to prepare. Don't just wing it. It's serious to lead people in study of the Bible and in prayer and in sharing and in encouraging each other in faith. It's not just about preparation, though, is it? Diligence in your life and making sure you are the kind of person who is authentic, an authentic Christian and worth following. And then finally it says, if your gift is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. There's really nothing worse, is there? than someone begrudgingly helping someone in need. But it happens, and the reason it happens is because so often people who have the gift of mercy who have a heart for the poor 
or for the sick or struggling feel like there are not enough people helping them to do it. And we have people who work in um, areas of social justice in our church who have a real heart for the area that they work with. And I know sometimes it's frustrating. Why don't people get on board? Paul is saying to you, you need to be cheerful. You need to keep being cheerful about it. And you need to keep encouraging the rest of us to come aboard with you. And for those of you in the church who see the particular needs of people in our church, the person who needs a friend to sit with them through the week, to pray with them, to bring them a meal, you need to bring people to help you too because it is hard work and it's easy to get exhausted and feel too stretched. But keep being cheerful and know that this is exactly the kind of work that God sees and loves and um, appreciates. So there's a lot of things there, aren't there? And I ask you, do you know what your gifts are? Do you know how you're going to be a part of this body? If you don't, then pray. Ask people, what are the needs? What what do you think I could, could be doing here? If you do know and you're working hard and you're feeling tired, well, maybe you need a little rest and let someone else step in. If you're very clear on what you're doing and you do it very well, then you need to also look around and work out who you're going to train up to do the same thing as you and do it as well as you. This is how the body works. So let me pray for us that we can maintain that posture of worship, looking up to God and knowing who we are and that he would bless us with many gifts for the good of his church. Let's pray. Our gracious and good Father, We do thank you so much for your abundant goodness and graciousness towards us. In giving us your son, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and that you died for us and rose again so that we have this life with you and this life with one another. And we pray that you would help us, remind us each day to offer ourselves to you, Lord God, and in humble service to one another for your glory and for the good of this world. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.